we're continuing in a series. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? The title of the series is Stop Going to Church. Pretty crazy title. Kind of edgy as a pastor, you know, stop going to church. When you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're trying to get people back to church. And it's, it's like, where's the people at? And I just want to let you know something. Uh, I'm super proud of all of you. Um, churches across the United States today are seeing an average of 20 to 40% of their people have come back since the stay-home order. In Eunice, we've, in fact, two weekends ago, whenever we opened up the kids' building, we hit the same number we, are, we were at before COVID hit. There was 219. So we're, we're pushing the 80 90% mark just at this campus. None of our other campuses are doing that. We don't know why. It's, it's not because of my stunning good looks or anything like that. It's just, it's just that we just, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because you didn't let a pandemic, you didn't let a, an issue keep you away from being together in worship. Amen? And so I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our people. It says a lot about you. It says a lot about us as a church and as a body. And so the, the, the series is Stop Going to Church, and in week one, we, we, we taught on church is not a special event, but it's a spiritual family. And if you've come to connect with spiritual family and you start to experience that, you really start to understand how much greater church is than just the Sunday morning. Like Sunday mornings are good, and we put a lot of work and effort into Sunday, Sunday mornings, a lot of preparations go into all this, but, but this alone will not sustain you. You have to be connected to the family. You have to, you have to join the spiritual family. Some people come to church and they hang out. Other people come and they join the family. You see, you didn't have a choice on what family you were born into, right? You just, some of you still mad. You just say, ah. anyway. Uh, but, but you do get to choose what spiritual family you belong to. And I just want you to understand something, that spiritual family is greater than natural family. I am closer to my spiritual family than I am my natural family. And that's sad and happy at the same time, because there are some negatives to that, right? I should be connected to my natural family, but because of other people's decisions, it didn't happen that way. But I'm very well connected to my spiritual family. And I'm so grateful for people that I call family. Because it's not just a church that I go to. It's a family I belong to. We're not a special event. We're a spiritual family. Week two, Pastor Bubba taught on the church is not a hotel. That you would come and just, you know, find a comfortable place. And I know some people, they... They, they, they enjoy Sunday mornings, and I, I'll be honest with you, I love Sunday mornings too, because uh, I get to do all the talking and y'all get to do the listening. <laughs> but I love Sunday mornings because I get to be with you, but watch this, I get to be with you as we're together in God's presence. And, and it does my body good to be in an actual church service on Sunday mornings. But for some people, that's all they want. They just want the Sunday morning experience. Let me go get my fix and then I'll come back next week. We treat it like a hotel. I need a little R&R. &R. I need somebody to watch my kids for an hour and a half, and I'm praying Pastor Jamie goes long, so I get a longer break from my kids. I know none of y'all thought that. I heard somebody one time. 
But I'm going to go get me a little fix. I'm going to go get some R&R. I'm going to find me a comfortable place. And I'm not saying that church should make you uncomfortable. It should be a comfortable place. But the church is not a hotel. It's a hospital. The church exists in the world today to treat those who are damaged, to treat those who are hurting, to treat those who are sick. If you remember the story when Jesus went with Matthew to his house to eat supper, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders were like, what's he doing eating with all these tax collectors? And Jesus heard what they were thinking. That's so cool. I'm like, what? I almost wish I could do that, but then I'm kind of like, no, nah, I'm glad I can't do that. And so Jesus, Jesus interrupts and goes, hang on a second. It's not the, 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 the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. The church is a hospital. It's a hospital with no judgment. Anybody, go, anybody have a doctor that when you walk in, he goes, well, if you wouldn't have done this, you're not headed, sucker. You wouldn't be hurting. I mean, are you walking, he starts judging you. You wouldn't stay with that doctor very long, right? Why? Because you want treatment. <laughs> I got something hurting. I don't need you to tell me how I got here. I figured that out already. <laughs> I'm already beat down. I don't need somebody. The church shouldn't be a place where we beat people down. It should be a place where we help people. We help the hurting. And today, the title of today's message is, is the church is a body, not a building. It's not a building. This building was an office complex before we bought it. We bought it and we turned it into a church. But it wasn't always a church, so to say, right? It was an office complex. There was a dentist where the sound booth is. There was this strange massage therapist over here. She had a little voodoo thing going on in the corner. We had a lawyer. We had aqua foods. He was feeding something in the water. We had all kinds of other, this was an office complex before it became a church. What makes this a church? Is it the sign outside? Is it the people that own it? No, it's you. You make this a church. We can pick ourselves up, close these doors, go down to the purple peacock, cast a few demons out, and go inside that building, and inside that building we will still be the church. Why? Because we are there. God's presence is there. That's what the church is. It's not a building. Amen? It's not a building. Buildings are nice places to meet. <laughs> right? Buildings are places where we get out of the humidity. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you grateful for that. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to notice in the book, in, the, in, the, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, how many times he uses the word body. Starting in verse 12, he says, The human body is, has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we, are sh and we all share the same spirit. Paul uses the word body over 18 times in chapter 12. He's trying to get us to understand what the church is. The church is not an organization. The church is a living, breathing organism. It's active. It's moving. It's powerful. It's a force. It's something to be reckoned with. It's not a building. It's not brick and mortar. 
It's not carpet and chairs. You see, we got to come to the understanding, and the thing this is what Paul was trying to teach us, is that you are the body of Christ, and wherever you go, the body of Christ goes also. Sure is quiet in this funeral home. I'm joking. You're the body. You're going to leave here in about 40 minutes. You're going to leave here and you're going to go somewhere else and we're not all going to go to the same place, but you're still the body of Christ. Paul's trying to get that across to us today. You see, as a human body, I have, two, I have over 200 bones in my body. I have 650 skeletal muscles that, and I keep, I'm very humble. I keep them all hidden. I have 210 cell types. There's many parts to my body. Some are visible, some are invisible, right? Some get appreciated, some don't get appreciated. Some get cared for, some don't get cared for, right? I mean, nobody walks up to you and goes, bro, you got a nice pancreas. (laughs) If they do, run, because that's weird, right? Nobody says, man, your liver is awesome. They can't see it. But if, it, if, if your liver was unhealthy, they could see the effects of it, right? We're a bunch of different parts put together to make up one body. So number one, every part of the body is different. You got to get this today. Every part of the body is different. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says... I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? This is kind of storybook kind of teaching, right? I think Paul's just really getting at us and going, listen, (laughs) you're not just an ear. You're not just an eye. If your foot says, I don't want to be a part of the body, it can say it all it wants to, it's still a part of the body. Right? In the body of Christ today, too many people have accepted the lie that your differences are weird. Too many people believe that I'm different, so I'm I'm unusable. I'm different, so, so I'm, not, I'm not, like, qualified because I'm different. I got a, you know, I got a, I got a different personality, and, you know, I, I don't know how to keep my mouth shut all the time. And, and we think that because we're different, we're wrong. And it's because we're believing the lie that the world tells us, that everybody needs to look like this. Everybody's wearing skinny jeans. You need to wear skinny jeans. For some of us, to wear skinny jeans is sin. I ain't even lying to you. You see me in some skinny jeans, you better call the ambulance. Something wrong with me. God didn't call me to be like the world and to conform to the world. He called me to transform the world. That means that I need to be different. I need to appreciate my differences. I need to accept my differences. And I need to learn how to leverage my differences. I'm headstrong. I'm stubborn. I'm a mule. 
I use the good version. But you know the body of Christ is made up with some stubborn people. You know why? Because if it was all passive people, we would never get anything done. And as soon as resistance comes, we would all be like, oh, well. So God put some stubborn people, come on, all my stubborn people. God put some stubborn people like me in the body so that way when we face resistance, we go, oh, heck no, we ain't stopping for this. Y'all better tighten up. Right? God puts sensitive people in the body. How many of you have issues with sensitive people? Don't raise your hand. Sensitive people make me sensitive. <laughs> I don't understand sensitive people. But watch this. I appreciate them. You know why? Because they sense things that my non-sensitive self doesn't sense. Right? Different. Every part of the body is different. Accept your difference. God made you like you are because he wanted you that way. Some of you, some of you are funny, okay? Like some of you can just make anybody laugh. I'm funny on accident. Like I'm occasionally funny. Like when it comes out, it really shocks everybody. But I'm the guy that's laughing at all the funny people, right? I'm different. So I've come to accept the fact I'm not funny. Okay. I'm serious all the time. Okay. Well, evidently God needs some serious people. Right? Because if I try to be funny, that ain't funny. So every part is different. Let's do a little survey real quick to see how many of you are different. How many of you are under the age of 20? Show me your hands. Real quick. Look around. I want you to look around. There's like three <laughs> under the age of 20. I mean, we are old church. <laughs> how many of you are between 20 and 40? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, yeah. That's good. How many of you are above 40? We're the wisest ones. Come on, somebody. That's right. All right. How many of you have a college education? Raise your hands. Okay, look around. How many of you don't have a college education? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you, your parents are still married? Raise your hand. How many of your parents are divorced? Raise your hand. You see? Come from different backgrounds. How many of you grew up Catholic? Raise your hands. Just about everybody. Everybody was Catholic almost at least once in their life. How many of you were raised Baptist? Raise your hand. Okay. Methodist. Any Methodist? We had one and a half Methodists this morning. I don't know how we did. That was you. You were the half. He raised his hands because he thought he was Methodist, but then he raised his hands when he didn't go to church. And I was like, How many of y'all confused? <laughs> How many of you gave your life to Jesus before you turned 20? How many of you gave your life to Jesus before 30? How many of you gave your life to Jesus before 40? Wow, that's more than what the first service was. That's pretty rare. How many of you have a past that has drugs and alcohol in it? A lot of us, huh? That's because we raised in the South, y'all. <laughs> How many of you have been to prison? Don't raise your hand. I'm joking. <laughs> we don't need to know that. Just keep that your own secret. God desires his church to have unity, not uniformity. Diversity, not division. I appreciate the people that aren't like me. 
more and more every day. I really do. I've learned to appreciate. I used to pick on the people that weren't like me. I thought everybody needed to be like me. Prideful. (laughs) But I appreciate the people that are different than me. Because I've come to understand that just the way I am is not enough for everything that God wants to do. Jamie is not enough on his own to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Amen? We're a body, and we're different. Appreciate your difference, accept your difference, and leverage your difference. Number two, every part of the body is significant, which means this. Every part of the body, every believer is valuable. You have an importance to you. Like if you don't function well, if you're not well, then the whole body's not well. Did you hear me? If you're not doing good, then the whole body's suffering. It's like a muscle in your physical body. If you pull a muscle, you can't function at 100%. Why? Because one part of your body is hurting. A valuable part of your body is hurting. And you don't appreciate those parts until they're hurt. (laughs) Right? Paul says in verse 18, he says, but our bodies have many parts. And listen to this. And God has put each part just where he wants it. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Wow. The weakest and the least important. I was on my back for four days. Five years ago, I was on my back for three months because of a little round disc that seems very insignificant until you make it mad. Then it becomes really important. This one little disc decided to just give up. And I'm mad because I should have had some heavy-duty disc. I mean, God made me big boned. I'm not fat, I'm big boned. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you out. I should have heavy duty disc, but this one insignificant little disc decided to give up, and all of its innards came outward, and it pinched some nerves, and all of a sudden, I can't walk anymore. You know what happened when it blew? I was, I was putting my pants on, and I went, and I heard it go pow. And I went, Oh, and I was locked up. And for the next three months, I was on the floor. That little insignificant disc showed me how important he is real quick. So I want you to hear this today. You may not have a title. You may not have a position. You may not have pastor in front of your name or teacher in front of your name or leader in front of your name, but it does not mean that you don't carry value. Some parts of the body are never seen, but they're significant. I was reminded preparing for this message of how sometimes insignificance and, and sometimes how little things 
can have such a big impact. Take, for instance, prayer. You know, we, we got a prayer group that we, we send, share prayer requests on, and everybody gets it on the prayer group, and they say, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. That's great. Please pray. That's why we got you. You're the prayer team, right? And I, I was reminded of Frank's funeral a couple of months ago, and John and his life group, John brought his guys to the funeral, and John had them very strategically at the church building, placed all over the building, praying for people. Just kind of standing there. They were like secret service. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, it was, there was, Brendan was there. You know, he's kind of secret service. Jeff was there. You know, he's kind of undercover. You know, kind of like, all they needed was a black suit and an earpiece. You know, and it would have been cool. Next time. But they were standing just out on all different spots of the building. And they were just praying. And God moved in that funeral. Over 60 people got saved at a funeral. What nobody noticed was the most impactful thing in the building. It wasn't Pastor Jamie's preaching. It was their praying. Why? Because praying opens doors for preaching to walk in. Does that make sense? So sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you don't think it's important. Sometimes you feel insignificant. But listen to me. All of heaven knows how important you are. All of heaven knows how valuable you are. You need to appreciate yourself also. Amen? So I love about our life group leaders. They don't get a lot of attention. But every week, they're preparing, they're praying, they're encouraging people. You know the greatest strength of this church is not Sunday mornings? It's Monday to Saturday. It's in life groups. That's where real life transformation is happening. In groups. Amen? Number one, every part of the body is different. Number two, every part of the body is significant. Number three, every part of the body is connected. It has to be connected. Paul says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again can the head say to the foot, I don't need you. <laughs> it can say it all it wants to, but we're still going wherever the head tells it to go. <laughs> right? We'll take it dragging sometimes. Come on. <laughs> It has to stay connected. You know, if, you, if you've bought into the lie that you're different and you're, you're wrong, then you've, you've actually rendered yourself useless in the body because now you've got this attitude that I can't be used by God because I'm different. I'm quirky. I got dry humor. Uh, I'm a geek. Uh, I'm a little bit nerdy. Or I'm, I'm a bully. I just run over people. And you think, well, you know, I'm just different. I guess I'm just where I am. I'll just be this way my whole life. And, you know, well, you just rendered yourself useless in the body because you believe the lie. The truth is, is that God made you that way because you fit into the body in a perfect spot that nobody else can fill. And if you're disconnected, something's not right. Are you seeing this? People who disconnect themselves from the body, they're not just hurting themselves, they're hurting the whole body. Um, it's not just about you. 
It's about the whole body. The whole body suffers. The whole body's weak because you decided to disconnect. That's what's so dangerous about the times we're living in. Is this world is disconnected. Social media is falling flat on its face. It cannot fulfill the emptiness in people's lives. It cannot. It will not. It was never designed to do that. Only connectivity can. God created man to connect with other men and women. And outside of that, we start to self-destruct. My good friend Jennifer, who's a counselor in town, is, is a little bit freaking out because, because of the massive issue that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about how the, the emotional condition of this country because people are disconnected. You got people that have died and nobody can have a funeral. And then you're in a stay-home order and you can't go to the counselor to get some help. Problem solved? No! Problem getting worse. Disconnection is not good for us. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The eye absolutely needs the hand and the hand absolutely needs the eye. That's why they call it eye-hand coordination. That some of you have and some of you don't. <laughs> but the body works best when it's connected. I heard, I heard this, and the first service proved me right, so I'm not going to ask you if I'm right, but I heard that if you get hit in the mouth and you knock a tooth out, if you quickly take the tooth, rinse it off, maybe disinfect it a little bit, stick it back in, it'll actually reconnect itself, and it'll grow. True fact. Saw it on TV. <laughs> Verified it with the first service. But I'm not a doctor, so don't take my word on it. Go research it for yourself. But it'll actually reconnect and it'll actually start to grow. So watch this. Some people, either because of offenses or, or believing lies that you don't belong in this family or distractions or maybe false gods you're worshiping, have disconnected themselves from the body of Christ. And what happens is, is when you disconnect yourself, you start to get cynical. And you start to blame everybody else for your issues. Yeah, don't shout me down when I'm preaching. And you start to, you start to point fingers. You say, well, they're the problem. And it's them. And it's that. And it's this. And it's those. And it's, it's them. And, it's, and you're pointing a finger. But the reality is you believe the lie. And you disconnected yourself from the body. And so now you're isolated. And if you're not careful, you're going to start dying. Self-destruction. Dying. The California Department of Mental Health did a study and, and it discovered that if you cut yourself off from others, watch this, you are three times more likely to die an early death than if you would have stayed connected. Four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. Five times more likely to be clinically depressed. Ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. With no judgment, if you'll, if you'll pay attention to people who suffer with mental disorders, a lot of times it's because they're isolated. 
And then you got to dig into that and find out why they're isolated. Well, why are you isolating yourself? What is the cause of this isolation? What lie did you believe? What hurt did you experience? What happened to you? Like, why are you isolating? Because isolation is not good for you. You decline when you isolate. A lot of times, people's lives will change just from connecting with others. Just from getting involved. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So you know what should be happening? Is when one part of this body of believers is hurting, we should all be feeling it. Because we should hurt with each other, right? The Bible says to to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We got like six babies being born this summer. We should be rejoicing. We're rejoicing with Cassie because the baby's born and the baby and the mama are healthy, right? We feel it as a body. If you're not feeling anything, it's because you're disconnected. You're disconnected. If you're going around and go, well, I didn't know that happened, and, and I didn't know this. Well, why didn't you know? Everybody else knows. It's because you're disconnected. I'm not mad at you for being disconnected. My heart's breaking for you because you're disconnected. I am most grateful for the people that I've allowed into my life to speak into me. I am most grateful for the people that I gave them permission to walk up in the the house of my life and open up my fridge and say, what you got to eat? This looks spoiled. I'm grateful for those people. You know why? Because those people make me better. They frustrate the heck out of me, but they make me better. I notice this, that people I love to be around the most naturally are not the people that always spur me along. I've also learned this, that i got to have a certain amount of people in my life that prick me. They're rough. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, right? Okay, like the Bible does say that. Okay. (laughs) Like me left to myself is dull. But me connected with other people becomes sharp. How does that happen? Well, the sharpening process is when you rub two items together and they start knocking off the edges. That's all you're doing is you're just knocking off the edges. I'm the product of being sharpened. There's been a lot of edges knocked off of me. I still got some edges that need to be knocked off. So I still got people in my life. Come on. Are y'all getting this? You should feel it. I'm going to prove it to you. Hit your thumb with a hammer. It affects your whole body. I'm telling you. Hit your thumb with a hammer, all of a sudden your foot starts jumping. Right? You're like, ah! Your mouth is open. Ah! You're probably swearing. Boop! Boop! Not our church. Your eyes start to water. It affects the whole body. Why? Because it's all connected. Can you feel what's going on? 
Do you feel it? Are you connected enough to feel? There's some mornings I, I stand in here on Sundays and I hurt with people. I know people that are hurting and I just, I, sometimes I stand in the back just because I'm crying. Because I'm, I'm crying with somebody. Some days I'm in the back and I'm dancing because I'm rejoicing with somebody. Why? Because I feel what they feel. How do you feel that when you're connected? Does that make sense? The body of Christ should have compassion for itself and for each other. We should never utter the words, well, that's their problem. No, it's our problem. It's our problem. Let's carry this together. You see, here's the truth. When God wants to do something in your life, you know who he's going to use? Another member of the body. Maybe that's why some of y'all are disconnected. Because you don't like the members that God uses in your life. I've been corrected by people I don't like. Got corrected one time about my parenting skills, and I thought they were pretty dang good. By a guy who I was discipling his kids, trying to straighten up his kids. I'm like, you're going to tell me about my kids? And but I took it. I had a choice. I could have kicked it to the curb and said, you know what, I ain't got time for that. I said, okay, I went home and I prayed about it. I said, Lord, is he right? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like it. I, don't, I didn't ask you if you liked it. God's going to use another member of the body because we're connected. Connection is absolutely necessary for life. Number four, every part of the body has a function. Every part has a function. Romans 12, 4 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Every member of the church has a function. Come on, don't, don't tune me out right now. Just hang in there. Every one of you has a function. Every one of you has a purpose. Every one of you has a destiny. Every one of you has a function. You have something that God wants you to do in the body. Amen. Come on. Amen. We all have a function. Every single one of us. You ever, you ever, how many of y'all sit on your foot? Like when you're watching TV or something, you'll sit on your feet. Like you can actually bend your legs that way. Like, raise your hands. I just want to see how many of y'all are weird. I can't sit on my foot if I try. If I'm sitting on my foot, something broke. When you sit on your foot for a while, what happens to it? Why does it go to sleep? Because it's useless. It's doing something it ain't supposed to be doing. It's functioning improperly. It falls asleep. How much of the church is sleeping right now because it's not being used properly? Come on. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to wake you up. We need to wake up. Take your foot and shake it. Don't step on it. It's going to sting. That's what they tell me. And so don't do that. Wake it up. Get it moving. How do you get rid of a sleeping foot? You walk on it. What do you do when you walk on it? You use it for its function. 
Some of you were made to walk and you're not walking. Some of you were made to grab and you're not grabbing. Because every part has a function. Amen? I'm going to bring a little bit of correction here. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. I love this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. Okay, we're talking about gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. My name is Jamie. I'm 46 years old, and I am your gift from Jesus. You're welcome. Not everybody in town needed a 300-pound, 6'3", bald-headed pastor, but you did. You need to ask yourself why. (laughs) I am a gift to the body. Not because I'm anything special, because God called me to be this, this part of the body, the pastor. Look at my responsibility, because you see, the church has gotten out of order for too long. And so you got, you got more pastors leaving the ministry than you got coming into the ministry today. They're quitting. They're dropping like flies, especially right now. Look at my responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We got it backwards. The body's telling the, 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 the pastor to do the work. So one man left to himself can't manage all this. Can I be honest with you? The coronavirus has been hell. Hell. I'm looking at a congregation. We were moving at a good pace. Man, things were going. It's like, come on, God, we're done. Whoa, we got this sheep going to green pastures. Whoa. And it's like, ouch. And now we can go back to church, and I'm like, where's everybody at? Oh, Pat, I'm, I'm scared of the coronavirus. I respect that. You're scared? Okay, that's fine. But don't let it kill you before you get it. Because too many people quit living. God's purpose didn't quit. It didn't get shut down. The kingdom's still getting built. More people are coming to Christ than ever before. (laughs) So my job is to equip you (laughs) to do the ministry. So today I resign as the chief minister in this place. I am now the chief equipper. And you're the chief minister. I'm going to show you what it looks like. Come see Brennan. Jeremy left you hanging. (laughs) You can go grab that block for me. Sometimes this is what a pastor's life looks like. Carrying weight. Now this ain't them cheap house pads. 
This is the expensive ones. They're heavy. It's heavy? Yeah. I had Jeremy this morning. He held it over his head. His belly was showing. It was really cool. I'm not going to do that to you. It's, but it's heavy, right? How long do you think you could realistically hold that? Without my pride being involved? Yeah. Five minutes? I was going to give you 20 or 30. You need to start believing in yourself. <laughs> the block represents broken marriages, broken relationships, hurting people, addiction, deception, you name it. This block represents ministry. And too many pastors are carrying this block by themselves. And the reason the church is weak today is not because we don't believe it's because we don't act. I'm going to say that one more time. The church in America today is weak, not because it doesn't believe, because it doesn't act. We still got too few people carrying the weight and not enough people around him to support him. But this is ministry. This is what you are supposed to be doing, not the pastor. You're just loving this message. It's written all over your face. Some of you are like, yes. So the problem with the world today is that we can't do enough ministry because there's too few people doing it. Right? So Jeff, come see. Heath, come see. You, I don't know your name, but you look strong. You got a bald head and a goatee, brother. You good. You qualified. First time at church, I got him lifting weights. We're good? Okay, I want each of you to grab a corner. Brennan's trying to anxiously give it away. And I need one more person. Charles, come see. So, so, so this is what needs to start happening. This, there's this weight of ministry. These are the, the hurting people in the world today. We need more people to come along. Just stay right there. We need more people to come along and start to carry this weight. Now, now how long can you carry it like this? No, hours. Hours? Okay. Y'all think y'all can carry it for hours as long as everybody holds up their end of the deal? as long as everybody holds up their end of the deal, right? So watch this. There's another block over there, Charles, if you'll pick that up for me. That's called opportunity. That's the ministry that's not getting done in this area because there's too few people doing it. Now, Charles, if you don't mind, gently place that on top of the other one without smashing fingers, including yourself. The spiders are free, y'all. Came straight out of my shop. <laughs> Now, they can carry more weight because they got more people carrying the weight, right? So we can accomplish more. We can, we can take care of those opportunities that aren't getting met. Come on, in our city, because we got more people. Help out, Charles. Don't stand there. Just help out. Come on. What the heck are you doing, slacker? Come on, man. Help out. Brothers in the barn, help him out. That's what, that's what I'm trying to tell you today. Come on. Wake up. Help carry some load. Go reach out to somebody. You call them. If God puts them on your heart, you call them. You check on them. You see how they're doing. I can't call everybody. My wife can't call everybody. And I'm not the only man in this church that prays. They got people in this church that pray way better than me. I think their prayers get answered before mine do. You want to call them? But we need to start carrying the weight. And the more people that come alongside and start to help, the more you can keep stacking the opportunities on this thing. And God has called us, if this is the city of Eunice and the surrounding areas, God has called us to take care of the opportunities that are out there. Yeah. 
Amen? The church needs to be the most powerful force on the planet, not the weakest. So y'all can hang there for another 20 minutes? No, I'm joking. Y'all can go put that down. Yeah, together. Work together. The body needs to work together. Nobody's slacking. Good job. Good. Let's give them a big hand. Yeah, y'all walking out of here with y'all's chest poked up. Y'all like this. If you're committed to the body, when you see somebody hurting and you see somebody struggling, you don't need permission. You already got it. Jesus gave it to you in his word long time ago. You don't need any more permission. You just need to act on what you see, what you hear, and what lies in front of you. If you see something, do it. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. I'm a firm believer in this. If I get to see it, then I'm called to be it. Amen? If it's in front of me, then it's for me. I don't need to go, somebody going to come take care of this? No, that's for you, bruh. Remember, you prayed this morning, Lord, please use me. Here it is. Yeah, but I didn't mean like that. I don't care. There it is. You'll never know this about me until you do this. You'll never experience my power, my grace, my mercy. You know what Jonah learned? Jonah learned that if I'll just do what God says to do, I'll learn more about him than I can ever read. Jonah's a prophet. God says, go to Nineveh. You tripping. Them people crazy. They cuckoo. I ain't going over there. He goes the other way. Tries to separate himself from the mission of God. Ends up in the belly of a fish. Anybody there today? Life a little stinky? Until finally he decides to listen and he goes to the people that he don't want to go to. He does the thing that he doesn't want to do. He just simply does the one thing that God tells him to do. He goes to a group of people and he, tells, he delivers a message that God tells him to deliver. And you know what he gets from that? He got the greatest reward from that. Not the people. He got to discover God's incredible mercy for crazy people. Firsthand. He could have stayed in the belly and lived the rest of his life in the belly. Life always being acidic. Life always smelly. Always got some drama. Messy. I bet when we see Jonah one day, and we ask him if God's a merciful God, I, pre- I, I bet you he'll give us a lecture on it. We got to commit to being a part of the body. And whatever is in front, listen to me, whatever is in front of you, whatever opportunity is there, grab it. Yeah. 
grab it with both hands. Don't listen to the excuses of the enemy. Well, you don't know enough. You haven't learned enough. You don't have a title. You don't have a badge. Really? No, but you have an opportunity. Amen? No matter what it is in front of you. If we'll commit to building people, God will commit to building his church. Number five, every part of the body is controlled by the head. Pooh, I'm going to get up in your grits on this one. Every part of the body is controlled by the head. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but none of you walk around with your thumb telling you what to do. Right? None of you walk around with your pancreas saying, oh, no, buddy, you ain't going that way. Nobody goes with their meniscus telling them what to do, right? Who tells you what to do? What part of your body tells you what to do? Your head. Your head tells you what to do. Why? Because it's the head. It's not the tail. It's the leader. You're not. Amen? Every part of the body is controlled by the head. Colossians 1.18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Who's the head? Christ is the head. Who's not the head? Me. I'm not the head. This ain't my church. It's his church. I got to listen to the head just like the rest of us do. (laughs) No head, you dead. No head, no life. The body cannot function separated from the head. Right? How many of us will not listen to what Christ says? We're trying to be independent of the head. And you wonder why your life isn't going very well. He's the head. One day... When we all meet Jesus, we're going to stand before him. And you know what he's going to ask? How did you do with what I gave you to do it with? In other words, how well did you listen to the head? Now, mind you, he already has the answer. But it's going to be your revelation. Did you follow well? Did you listen well? Or did you spend your whole life being independent and trying to be the king of your own kingdom? Unsubmitted, independent, rogue. I never forget one time I'd been pouring concrete all day, and when you use those hand trials, a lot of times your hands and the muscles in your hands start to they start to cramp. Anybody get a, a, a crazy cramp sometimes and your muscles start doing some crazy? You ever get that? I hate the cramps at night. That's demonic, I'm telling you. But I was going to pick something up and I'd been pouring a lot of concrete and my hands were cramping. And I went to grab it and, and one finger starts cramping and it's doing this weird stuff. And I'm just looking at it and my finger's going, I'm like, what the heck's wrong with you? Like, what the, who, what you doing? And my finger's just doing this crazy stuff. And I'm like, stop that. It was trying to be independent. Some of us look like that today. God has a mission for this region. 
God has a plan, a purpose already laid out. There's people that only you can reach and nobody else can reach. But you're over here acting like an old cramped up finger. Trying to be independent. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I got my own plans. This is my life. I know it's hard, and I know that's hard preaching, but there's a purpose behind hard preaching. One day, we all going to stand in front of Jesus, and you know what I want more than anything? I want for all of heaven to know who OSC is. I want us to have a good reputation. If we're the pinky toe in the body of Christ, then when we get to heaven, I want everybody to say, that's the best pinky toe that ever was made. Right there. Them, them people from Eunice, that's a pinky toe. <laughs> Amen? Y'all think that's funny? Cut your pinky toe off and see how you do. But you see what I'm saying? I don't want us to get to heaven with our heads down. Man, I was... Wish I'd have listened. Wish I'd have obeyed. You know how you get a reputation in heaven? By how many people you send there. By how many people you help along the way. When you walk into heaven one day, I want you to say, oh, that's, that's that bald-headed dude. Cool, bro. You know him? Oh, I know him. He was the best dumb brick I knew. He was uneducated, but boy, he loved people. Wasn't nothing special about him. He wasn't even cut from the same cloth as all the other preachers. He came from the concrete world. But he listened. You know, I'm grateful for people the most when they listen to God and they deliver something to me because what the, the, what the deliverer doesn't know is the impact of what he's carrying. The mailman carries the mail, but he don't know what's in the mail. Sometimes he delivers a check to somebody who has a dollar left in their account. He has no idea the impact of what he's delivering, right? So are we. Sometimes we underrate what God wants to do through us. Whereas if we would just do what he says to do, we'll get to see how valuable the package is that we're carrying. Amen? So Christ is the head. And apart from him, we can do nothing. The head tells the body what to do. The body doesn't tell the head what to do. The church for too long has been trying to tell Jesus what to do. It's time for the church to do what Jesus says to do. Amen? And that's for every one of us. Okay. So the church is the most impactful outside of the building. This is great. I love this. I love Sunday mornings. I love life groups. I love any chance I get to be with God's people. But we're the most impactful when we get into the world that doesn't know Jesus. And we get to come 
into our workplace, the place we do hobbies, the place we shop, the place we do life. We get to go into those places, watch this, with authority. Not authority because I'm the hand. Authority because of who the head is. Right? Because I'm connected to the head. Right? So when Jesus came out of the grave, he said, hey, bro, all authority's been given to me. It's mine in heaven and in earth. Well, if Jesus is my head, then that means I'm a part of the body. I have authority too, right? Which means this, that wherever I go, the head's authority goes with me. So I don't have to be conformed to this world anymore. I can actually transform the world around me. I don't have to go into this world like a whip puppy submitting to everybody and their mama. I get to come in with some authority and some humility and bring the power of heaven into a place and see it transform. That's what should be happening when we leave the building. This should not be your holiest moment this week. This should not be your greatest spiritual adventure this week. This should be the place where we come every week and we talk about what God did last week. And we talk about people that were delivered, people we prayed for, people we encouraged, people we gave hope to, people we ripped from the grip of hell and brought them into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? That's what church and life groups should be about. It's not a building or a body. God wants us to take this region for his kingdom. It's not a light manner. It's not a light purpose. It's heavy. There's hurting people going up and down that road right now. There's hurting people in these houses back here. There's hurting people all around us. There's people that are begging and crying their eyes out for us to get past ourselves and to become a part of the body and start to reach out to them. I said this a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. Some of you, your healing is waiting on your action. Your healing is waiting on your action. Your healing is waiting on you to stop crying about your situation and to get up and go help somebody else because in the process of helping somebody else, you're helping yourself. Remember the king that went to the prophet? He had leprosy. So he went to the prophet and said, hey, can you heal me? He said, yeah, go to, go to the bayou and dip yourself seven times. <laughs> to the bayou? His healing was in his obedience. He didn't like the river he was supposed to go baptize in. He said, he said, there's better water where I came from. Just do what the head tells you to do. And in the process of helping people and reaching the lost, you'll discover your healing. I've not, this is one thing I've learned. God always moves when I quit looking at my problems. I got to cut them on. As long as I'm like, oh my God, 
My poor little cut. It's a nice little cut. It hurts bad. Y'all wanna see my cut? My whole world's revolved around my cut. Seems like as soon as I take my eyes off my cut, my cut heals. Imagine that. Let's pray. I've heard enough of this. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this service. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this message. God, we're a force. A force to be reckoned with. We're a living, breathing, ground-taking organism that's here to build a kingdom that's going to last for eternity. We're here, God, to help people who are lost. People that are spiritually dead. People that are hurting. People that need a hand up. God, you've called us here for other people. You've made us a part of your body so that we could be busy doing what you do. To be active. To be purposeful. To be intentional. To be useful. So God, help us today to commit to being part of your body part of the purpose, part of the plan. God, I pray for every one of us today that this week will be a different week than every other week before. And God, as soon as we walk out of this building, a super anointing will come over us and we'll go into the world around us and we'll be used by you. We'll, 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 we'll get to experience you as you work through us and work around us. And God, we'll be so saturated with your presence that we can't wait for Sunday to get together with other people and tell them what's going on. I pray that over us today. Help us, God. Anoint us for this purpose. For those that are disconnected, I pray that we would come back and connect at all cost. At all cost. Come back and connect. For those that, that don't value themselves. I pray that you'd begin to show us how valuable we are. How significant we are. To you. And to your purpose. And to the body. Help us, God. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, nobody looking around. Maybe you're here today and the first thing you need to do is connect with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. <clears throat> the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the, the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Bible says you will be saved. Now what does that mean? That means you're going to be saved from an e eternal fire. That means that right now your sins will be washed away and you'll be put back in right relationship with Jesus. That means your name will get written in the book of life. That means when you leave this earth you'll have a destination called heaven. So if you've never done that, you want to do that today. You want to give your life to Jesus. So we'll give you an opportunity to do that. No one looking around. It's a private moment. Baptism is the public moment. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. It's wherever you're at. Praise God.
Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the body. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Have a great week.